Elijah Mullins, guitarist and vocalist with Flash Keller, joins the antidote. Thanks for coming, Elijah. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a couple years since we last spoke, and at that point, you were frontman for the technical metal band, The Burial. Now, a lot has changed for you since then. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long couple of years, actually. Uh, I think the last time you and I talked, I had literally just gotten engaged. You had uh, just done that. Yeah, it was like that day <laughs> I had gotten engaged. And uh, I was thinking about that because I was like, you know, that was almost three years ago. Too yeah. funny. No kids on the scene yet, but still happily <laughs> married. <laughs> yeah, just since then, it, it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind as far as, you know, everything that had happened. I was touring with War of Ages at the time as well. Um, I was playing bass for them for a while. Yeah, and then, you know, got married and kind of realized, like, wow, time really does fly when you start settling down a little bit. <laughs> and have you actually settled down? <laughs> Tell us the <laughs> I, truth. I'd say I'm about 60% settled down, maybe. It's something near to that nature. You know, uh, there's definitely the refining quality that comes along with being married that I, I would uh, take zero credit for myself. That that was all my wife helping me refine myself a little bit from going from the dude in the van, sleeping on a bench, living out of a backpack to... You know, like I, I'm sitting in a living room, you know, of an apartment in the middle of Kansas City right now with my wife. And that's a, a bit of a change. Yeah. So now you're this staid conservative guy. Yeah. You know, you know, the white picket fence and the small dogs, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us how Flesh Killer came to be and how you became a part of the band? Yeah. Um. The band itself is pretty much Ula Barud's kind of like baby, really. Um, And it was more or less birthed out of a place where after X-Toll had sort of reunited and done that record in 2013, they're self-titled with Face Down. They kind of found themselves at a point where he wanted to play live, David wanted to play live, but Peter couldn't really do it live. Um, Not that he couldn't do the music, but he just couldn't commit to touring and doing any sort of shows or, you know, that sort of thing. And so um, they did a couple, you know, small shows as X told after that happened. But, you know, he had kind of gotten the bug back. He hadn't been playing metal for a while. And, you know, once he started again, it was hard to get him to stop. And so he just started cranking out these songs, which eventually became the Flesh Killer record. Uh, it, a lot of that just was a, a process of him having this, sort of desire and just like a relit fire to to start playing metal again so that's where he sort of got the ball rolling so to speak Uh, as far as the other members go he had initially asked a guy named peter dahlbach who played for a band called shaliak back in the day um, which anybody who's a fan of x-toll's work probably is familiar with those guys but they were a little bit beforehand and peter was going to do that record on vocals and so it was just more or less going to be those two dudes and then peter couldn't because uh other commitments that he had made so you know it was he thought he could you know kind of manage both and couldn't and so sort of in a pinch ula happened to remember that oh hey there was that band that was on face down came out around the same time as uh you know x-toll's last record like i i think i'll talk to him you know and him and i had chatted a couple times about different metal and things like that, but had never met in person. And he uh, asked me if I was willing to do the record. 
And I said, yeah, you know, that, that'd be really fun. You know, this sounds like a cool record to do. So I went and recorded the vocals. And then after the fact, he was like, well, hey, you know, if, uh, if we ever did this thing live, would you want to play guitar and do vocals like you did in The Burial? And it's like, you know, yeah, that's fair. I'll do that. And I wasn't really thinking in terms of this was actually going to happen or anything like that because I'm the only American in the band. Everybody else is from Norway. And so just logistics, I didn't figure we'd actually end up doing a whole lot live. And then, uh, you know, cue to a week later, he calls me and says, hey, by the way, um, here's your tickets. You're coming to Norway to shoot a music video. And, and you're coming back in October to do a couple festivals. Um, so we're, we're getting kind of ramped up for that. So that's my story of how I got in. Um, and then the other fellas, Andreas, uh, I know he had been around in the studio scene and kind of has made a little bit of a name for himself in that area in Oslo and um, he's a young kind of upcoming dude. He's real young, but the kid's a monster on drums. Um, and then our bassist, uh, Ulla Vistness, he actually plays bass for a band called Shining from Norway. Uh, they're a, what do they call themselves? It's kind of a quirky, they call themselves black jazz, I think right now. <laughs> uh, but they're very experimental, very fun music and really cool dudes. You know, and I'm, I'm glad to have gotten to know them over the past couple months here. And how does it work for you being the only American in the band with the rest of them being Norwegian? Do they give you a hard time because you are American? Oh, yeah. It, it, and it's funny. They don't give me too much of a hard time. But it is funny. On You know, when we were shooting a music video, we were in there rehearsing and we start talking about different parts. And, you know, I had been practicing the parts for a few months, but then you know, they'll start talking to each other about parts, but it's all in Norwegian, which I <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. So they'll go for a few minutes and then realize like, oh crap, Elisha doesn't understand anything we just said. So one of them will have to turn and translate for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, see what you've really got to do is you have to learn Norwegian just so that, you know, when these guys are bad mouthing you behind your back, you'll be able to understand it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I can't, I can't get left out in the lurch here. <laughs> but I, uh, the little bit of Norwegian I tried, uh, I tried it out on Ulla's kids, and uh, they, they were less than impressed with my Norwegian, <laughs> so we'll have to keep working on that. You mentioned about X-Duel, and I think this question has got to be on everybody's mind. Is Flash Killer simply a reincarnation of X-Duel, or is it more than that? You know, I think it's fair to, to ask, just because it, it does seem like it's a bit of a a bit of a new pop-up of sort of the same thing. Um, and I guess I should mention, see, that our bassist did play for X-Toll in those few live shows. The couple X-Toll shows they did back when they released that album in 2013, he was playing with them at the time. So there are a couple little connections there, but musically there's quite a bit going on that I don't think X-Toll would have done some of the things that Flesh Killer's doing. Um, and I think part of that is because of this fresh sort of itch that Ula has for metal right now. And also, I, I think it's something that maybe flies under the radar a bit, but there was a lot of collaborative stuff going on with X-Toll as well. Um, so in, in a lot of bands, there's usually like a few driving forces behind songwriting. Just because in metal, it's hard to keep things straight if you don't do that. But X-Toll was a very sort of like equal contributor type situation where you had david writing guitar parts even and things of that nature where the the band really worked as a whole so us not having david 
in the band, I think definitely sort of distinguishes it um, from being a sort of X-Toll reincarnation, um, especially considering David's actually starting a new project um, with a few people right now. It's it's sort of flying under the radar, but it's really, really good. And he's uh, met back up with the other guitarist from X-Toll, uh, Krister. And so the, those guys have kind of started their own project, you know, uh, separately from Flesh Killer around the same time. And we had a, a little bit of a listening party last time we were back there. Super good stuff, but still distinct. Even, you know, even that stuff doesn't really feel like a reincarnation of X-Toll so much as a natural sort of progression of, of what the members of X-Toll have kind of come up to at this point. Well, something that's going to make Flesh Killer distinct is that really the band members end up making Flesh Killer a supergroup. You know, same way as Broken Social Scene, Foo Fighters, or the Traveling Woolburys, you know, how they came together. Because really, you've all been in significant in artistic bands. Yeah, and I think that experience does kind of lend itself to a smooth process. I mean, this is, you know, 100% the smoothest process of joining and learning music and, uh, you know, just like clicking with a group of guys, just because we've all been here before, you know, we've all done something of this nature, um, at least to some degree. So I, I think you're right in that regard. I think, uh, you know, to be fair to both the Ulas, uh, they've both had quite a bit more of the super in the word super group than I think I have. But uh, those guys are really top notch musicians. And so when you know you're coming into something and you've got guys that you already respect as artists um, and, you know, have something you know, really excellent to bring to the table. It, it makes you want to do better, it makes you want to put better music out. So it's something that I was kind of conscious of coming in. And uh, I knew that I wanted to make sure that I was up to the task for it. Well, we should get into talking about, you know, specifically about the band members. As you were talking about with, you know, Ula Broad, he's been extolled from the band's early days. The band had a really diverse sound and a huge reputation. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things that they did stuff that no band was doing. They got a lot of recognition, and I think it was all deserved. But I think people sometimes maybe miss why they got so much recognition. For me, what they had going on was that in that era, there were a lot of bands who did things that were like, oh, this is the band that sounds like insert other band here. And X-Toll wasn't one of those bands. When you flip that album on, you went, oh, this is different. This is unique. They were pushing boundaries that bands, no matter what their religious persuasion, hadn't pushed. And because of that, they, they garnered that sort of respect in and outside of the Christian metal scene. You know, they, they had it inside because everybody loved them. And then outside of it, you had fairly big people looking at these guys saying, hey, they're doing something unique. They're doing something legitimate. And, you know, he was a big part of that. He was a big part of that musically. Um, you know, like I said, there was a lot of contributing forces. There was a lot of collaboration between them as a band. But um, that sort of thing, I think, is what propelled them to the top, really, is that that essence. You could hear things that they did that no other band was doing. And I, I still think a lot of bands kind of chase but haven't quite grasped. And another interesting point about Burrett is that he doesn't only do metal. He's put out quite a bit of solo stuff over the past couple of years. 
But talk about a change from metal. It's this blend of jazz, funk, soul, and pop. Was this really just him trying to stretch his art? Yeah, you know, I think to some extent there is that. Um, also, I think there's just a lot of that that comes from, uh, for him, He his whole family is very musical, um, you know, a large musically inclined background. And that just sort of oozes through, especially when you see him playing in his solo stuff. He looks just as comfortable as he does, you know, when he's playing metal. And that's because he's been doing it as long as he's been alive. As long as him and his family have been around, they've been making music, no matter what genre they've got going on. Um, And as far as the metal goes, I think it was kind of just a right place, right time sort of thing for him. Um, You know, I don't necessarily want to put all his eggs in one basket for him, but there's a lot of that just like testosterone of youth that, that sort of itches you and wants you to listen to that heavy stuff. I'm sure he got into it the same way most of us do. In that same way, you know, you listen to the sorts of things that sort of scratch that itch. But I, I, th- I think uh, in that same way, you've got a little bit of an underlying foundation in music that never really goes away just because you start listening to metal. And how's your testosterone level running now? <laughs> you know, it's funny. The amount of like really heavy stuff I listen to now is a lot lower than it used to be. Um, but this is kind of re-peaked my interest a little bit in like the current heavy scene, just because, you know, you're kind of watching and seeing like, wait, who's doing something right now that's interesting and, you know, really aggressive. And I found that if something's going to catch my attention, it's either got to be really, really well-crafted or really, really aggressive. It's got to be like one extreme or the other to kind of really grab me. If it's a little bit of both, I, I probably won't won't listen to it all the way through. But if it grabs you by the head and just won't let you go, <laughs> that, that seems to be something that grabs me. Okay, then let's really put it on to you personally. If you were coming into Flesh Killer, knowing nothing about the band, and you were hearing the sound, how does it rate? Oh, man. So that's actually one of the fun things about the way I came into this project is most of the the music was already written pretty much. So I I can say with you know a good bit of outside objectivity that I was stoked when I heard it. I, I was really glad to hear the kind of stuff it was because it is a little bit of that earlier thrashy, old school death metal kind of vibe in essence. Now it's it's obviously way more polished and way more you know professionally done. Like we still took our time in the studio and you know did all of the the proper things you have to do to make a record sound good, which you know the guys in the '90s weren't really that concerned about. But in essence, a lot of the structure, a lot of the attitude, is that old school Florida you know early '90s death metal stuff. And that for me is like my bread and butter. I love old bands like Death and um, Cynic and Atheist and a lot of those like old. You're really going back. uh, Yeah, yeah. That was sort of the stuff. Even though most of those albums came out, you know, like the year I was born. (laughs) uh, It was still something that caught my attention when I first started listening to metal. And I'm glad it did because that stuff was a little rougher around the edges to listen to. But because I listened to it first, 
I didn't care about that. Like, I didn't care that the drums didn't sound as good as, you know, XYZ's record or, you know, insert any modern band and say, well, their record sounded better. Like, they had better production or whatever. I didn't care. I wanted the attitude. I wanted that gnarly sort of just, you know, get out of the way thrash that turned into death metal. And that's something that Flesh Killer has that I think is something that also distinguishes it from the X-Toll stuff. There's a little bit more just hair on the edges as far as like oh man that's a little that's a little more aggressive than i would expect from an x-toll record that's a little more um, rough around the edges maybe we got to talk about the other ula business oh yeah was in x-toll but then also with that dark goth metal with tristania yeah i can't get into that band that's just too depressing for me it was too dark you know (laughs) it's (laughs) It's funny because there is this sort of um, I don't know if it's if it's the weather or what it is about you know the Scandic countries up there, but I guess you know Canada's got some of that too. I think it is something in the air that just makes people go like, oh yeah, I, that that hits a spot. My buddy plays in a band uh, called Soal from Finland, and it's this sort of you know real slow, real doomy, kind of depressing you know sort of thing. But then I'm like, well, if the hottest it ever got all year long was 70 degrees and, you know, 90% of the year, there was like hardly any sunlight and it was really <laughs> cold all the time. Like, I think maybe I'd be, I'd be singing slow, sad songs about it too. Oh, come on. It hasn't been that warm in <laughs> Illinois this year either. It's been cool everywhere. No, yeah. It's been, it's been pretty nice. I, I I can't lie. I, I run a little, uh, warm by nature. So my poor wife. She would love it if it was like 85 degrees all year long. And I'm like, no, we set the thermostat at 68 degrees. It's sort of a ongoing battle between me walking around in shorts and her walking around in a full-on hoodie. <laughs> but yeah, all that to say, I, it is like interesting the sort of backgrounds that, that we've got going on. Because I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Shining stuff as well that he plays bass for. It, it is sort of that same very cold sort of Norwegian stuff, but it's way more experimental. You know, they've got some brass section type stuff going on. Um, some black metal influence, but then there's like, like acoustic jazz stuff going on. It They're absolutely one of those bands that it's impossible to put in one sort of category and say, Oh, Hey, that's what they are. You know, uh, brings an interesting perspective to the band. That's for sure. You could say the same thing, though, about your drummer, Andreas, coming from the band Oenthal. And I mean, I never would have heard of the band if one of the listeners to The Antidote hadn't turned me on to their music. I mean, their album, Cactus, is, I guess you'd say it's esoteric. You know, it is, yeah. <laughs> it is prog metal, but it brings in all these other influences. Now, has Andreas forced you to give it a listen? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. He's, he is so, like, reserved about the sorts of things he does. And it's kind of funny too, because he's not a, uh, he's not like a metal by nature kind of guy. Uh, he's, you know, very reserved, very quiet. Like we were walking around in Oslo when we were going to get our pictures taken and, you know, get all the promo shots done. And we all show up and we've got our black leather jackets and our black t-shirts and, uh, you know, our black jeans and our black boots. 
and Andreas comes very well dressed, you know, a nice you know, light blue top and, you know, some jeans and you know, <laughs> just just very politely, you know, mannered. And he was like, I do not feel metal enough to be in this band. He turned and told me. <laughs> and that's why you stuck him in the very background of the picture. <laughs> yeah, we're like, hey, get, get to the back, Andy. <laughs> okay, well, you're not in the back. We're saving the best here for last. Uh, Mr. Elijah Mullins as frontman for The Burial. That's probably one of the tightest bands I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. Did The Burial get to the place where you wanted it to be? You know, I think it did. And it's a weird sort of way of of looking at it, but we never really made music that we thought would take us, you know, on huge tours or, you know, sell loads and loads of albums. And Jason from Facedown was, you know, super gracious about it with us. He was just kind of like, look, guys, like, I know what you are. I know what I signed up for in signing you guys. He knew he wasn't getting, you know, the next four today when he signed us. Mm -hmm. But we had something that he liked and we had a good relationship with him. So he let us write what we wanted to write. Uh I can say that I'm pretty proud of what we did. I don't think it's finished is the only thing I'd say. Um, I know Caleb, our drummer, had a few other things that he's got, you know, his hands in. And just all the other members in general have a couple things that they've got their hands in that couldn't really ever revive it to a full scale sort of thing like we once were. But I don't know that we're 100% done as far as writing music goes. Um, But I I will say part of the reason that we haven't actively sort of pushed forward is we were really satisfied with what we did musically. And we didn't want to compromise the next time around and find out that, hey, we actually like that last record we did better. You know, we wouldn't want to put out a new record and then look back and say, you know what, In the Taking of Flesh was still better. So maybe we shouldn't have bothered putting this one out. Until we get to that, I think we're kind of just hanging on and making sure we really have something we want to do. And it would be hard just to, you know, put the brakes to it and say that's the end of it. Because it's been, what, eight, nine years since the band started? Oh, yeah. Uh, They had been around for quite a while before Caleb and I ever showed up. And Todd, our other guitarist, he's been doing this for, gosh, forever. So, I mean, it was probably probably closer to 10 or 11 years, honestly. Because I remember one of the first years I went to Cornerstone was 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And The Burial was one of the bands I saw. Um, it, you know, Todd and the other members that I eventually started playing with were out there just playing generator stages, like getting their name out there wherever they could. And, you know, eventually that landed them on the, the face down imprint with, uh, I think it was called Strike First Records. Um, oh, they don't yeah, really- that's right. I remember that. Yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know if Jason still does that or not, but that's how the burial kind of got their foot in the door in a lot of places at Cornerstone. And then, you know, a few years later, I was playing with them. But that, I, you know, that was 10, 11 years ago, at least. The reason I was bringing up some of the projects from Flesh Killers band members is that they all have one thing in common they've got that prog aspect. Mm. Is that a key part of Flesh Killers sound? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think it would have to be, I don't know that we could get somebody in there who's like, just like a purely metal guy who didn't, you know, at least appreciate some progressive aspects because there's a lot of stuff in there going on that like harkens back to 
the less aggressive prog even. You know, when you look at um, some of the big choruses that we've got going on in these songs, they've got way more in common with a band like Yes than they do with a band like Cannibal Corpse. And Mm -hmm. so if you're not sort of on that same page as far as uh, the progressive elements of it, I think it'd be kind of hard to feel at home with us. Does that then put Flesh Killer into a fairly narrow niche, or is there going to be a broad enough group of people that are going to want to hear this? You know, it's interesting. Maybe like five or six years ago, when The Burial was still like actively sort of kind of trying to plot that same ground, I would have said that, oh, it's a tiny, narrow niche that like nobody really wants to be a part of. And I think I would have been right five or six years ago. Um, But right about this time, it seems that the extremes of metal have been changing. And uh, those sorts of things come and go with time. You know, there's the extremes of, you know, who can have the darkest themes or who can um, be the loudest and, you know, the most rowdy. And I think our extreme right now has kind of swung to a point where the extreme is extreme skill and proficiency with things. So if you look at the bands that are really pushing the edge right now and really getting a lot of traction, a lot of them are bands that are almost 100% prog and like hardly metal if you really like dug down into it. Bands like um, Animals as Leaders, who are obviously really heavy and you know they're kind of the big thing on the market right now. Mm-hmm. But those guys are like insane, super talented musicians, and that's the extreme that's grabbing kids right now. Um, and so because of that, I feel like it does open the market a little bit for other bands who would have been more traditionally just heavy bands to kind of put their foot in the door. Um, another example of that would be a band called Revocation. That I love their last album, Great Is Our Sin, but... That record has so much cool, like, jazz guitar on it, but just with the distortion crank to 11. It, and <laughs> it, But they still, like, if you listen to them, and, you know, it wouldn't be weird to see those guys on a tour with, like, Slayer or something. You know, just really thrashy, really old-school metal. But they've still got that prog element. They've got that sort of thing. So I feel like we'd probably fit in somewhere with within that realm um, where we're trying to touch on that extreme of, being excellent at what you do and kind of taking that to its extreme while still retaining some of the, the songwriter elements. Cause I, I don't think you can push that extreme too far without kind of ending up alienating some people along the way. I know that you'd mentioned about Ula setting up all the music and doing the lyrics, I suppose. Then how much of your own talents are able to be brought into flash killers music? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing how that goes for us because it really does reflect more in a live situation. Uh, now, for me personally, I know um, I wrote a couple of the songs lyrically and did all of the, uh, the vocal recording myself. So in those ways, I was able to sort of contribute my own little flair and kind of decide like, oh – you know, I think this rhythm would be better or I think these words would work out better. So he gave me sort of open license to like, hey, you know, I've got these skeletons of songs written. If you want to sort of amp them up or change things, you know, especially because he was saying, you know, English isn't his first language necessarily. So he wanted to make sure that we were kind of on the same page there. It, so I had a little bit more wiggle room, I think, than uh, than Ula Vistness had, our bassist, for example. But... 
that's where he comes in as a crucial bit of the live show because he does a lot of the harmonies in singing with Ula. So, you know, those two guys are doing all the really pretty, you know, super melodic things together and kind of able to showcase themselves in that light, which isn't, you know, a small thing to do in the setting that we do it. And it's not effectively a one-man band with stellar musicians coming in. It really is a community effort. Oh, no, yeah. And that's something that that he wanted to sort of produce with us in that way. Um, I think when he first contacted me, it was a bit of a, you know, hey, do you want to just record these vocals for me? And then, you know, after we got to talking and, you know, sort of, got the vibe that we were both really on the same page as far as this goes, it sort of turned into like, well, hey, how about instead of that, you just join the band and you help, you know, like make this what it is. And once we got to that point, I think that kind of solidified it for everybody involved that, hey, we all want to be able to put our stamp on this and say maybe this time around it was a a unified sort of undertaking that Ula sort of spearheaded, but we've still got, you know, our little signatures here, our little signatures there that that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Well, something that was true of both The Burial and Extol is the Christian message in the music. And I mean, that faith aspect is also there in Flesh Killer. Is that message intentionally part of the music on the Awaken album? I would say that it's rather intentional. I don't know if it's necessarily as focused in the sense that it feels like we've got a particular mission with what we're trying to say as much as it is just when we as christians search within ourselves and put some art onto paper one way or the other that reflection naturally sort of comes out it it would be weird i think for me anyways to try and write lyrics that didn't somehow reflect the way i look at the world um and primarily the way i look at the world is through the lens of my faith in Christ. And I could say that for the other members of the band as well. So although with the burial, I took a bit more of a spearhead type approach with the lyrics. I think this is more just a natural sort of reflection of what comes out when, you know, I think about certain topics or, you know, if I play a song and I'm just, you know, really trying to feel like what, what is this song about? What do I hear when I'm hearing this music? You know, what words, seem to keep popping up in my mind that's more along the lines of how i think flesh killers lyrics seem to have panned out for the most part there was less um direct pre-song deliberation on maybe what topics we were doing but they still clearly reflect our faith as christians yeah i see where you're coming from and much of the lyrics are pretty obvious as to who and what you're singing about, like salt of the earth, with the lyrics, thirst for unity, abide in the sun, grace will be your guide, be not afraid, you are the carriers of light. You're wanting to have the message clear instead of having listeners digging for the meaning? Yeah, I think it does just sort of reflect... um a more emotive approach, I would say. You know, when I was writing some of the stuff for The Burial, a lot of it was I was still kind of in that metal mode of just like hyper, you know, think of the longest, most metal-sounding words. And, <laughs> you know... Seriously? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there was there was lines that, like, as you're writing lyrics, 
you'll see that the sorts of things you're reading and you're listening to, those just sort of naturally become part of your vocabulary. And at the time when I was writing a lot of the burial stuff, I was reading a lot of old, you know, Reformation type theology. So, um, you know, the words like catechization, you know, that I would never use in like a standard conversation. But those words were coming out because I was, you know, reading, you know, Luther's catechism or, you know, things like that just to kind of keep my brain going. It's <laughs> uh, so I think with Flesh Killer, it's it's a bit more heart language in that sense. That sounds like a super frou-frou way to say it. Um, but when you're really feeling something and you, the words just come out, that is more like what Flesh Killer's lyrics are than a sort of like very sculpted, very, um, very preoccupied with vocabulary type lyrics that I, I personally tend to lean towards sometimes when I just start writing things down, but, but it's been a good change in approach. But I think part of that is reflective of the music as well, because we wanted a more sort of raw, aggressive, like old school nineties, sort of vibe and those lyrics weren't particularly um intricate or wordy they just they had a few things that they wanted to say and they said it you know clearly and succinctly i was really taken by the first single from the awaken release parallel kingdom i love that image of two worlds in parallel to each other where did the concept come from um, you know, I think it's it's one of those things that we think of in the sense that there's this tension in Christianity where there's the kingdom of God, which we believe is, you know, in our hearts. You know, it's that, you know, God is advancing the kingdom of God through us here on earth as, you know, Christians. But there's also, in a more orthodox sense, the, the kingdom to come that has not yet come. And so there's this little bit of a tension that there's the always like now, but not yet, uh, I think is the way Paul likes to talk about it. And that sort of thing is what I believe most directly tied us to that theme of a sort of parallel kingdom that you could be here on earth and still be thinking about that next one to come, but you should be striving to help make this place more like that place. The Awaken album has really had a huge impact on me. What kind of an effect do you think it's going to have in the metal scene? You know, it's it's hard to say what sort of effect it will have. I know for me personally, it's been um, a bit of a, a whirlwind and sort of inspiring to get back in the saddle and take up some of this action again, you know, and, and sort of be really thinking about this sort of stuff. Um but as long as somebody resonates with it and, you know, finds some sort of peace or enjoyment out of what we do, that's really all we can ask for. Uh, we make music that we want to make that we feel uh, is reflective of the nature and like the goodness that God's shown us. But on top of that, we want people to be able to enjoy music and sort of maybe heal some of those those things and be maybe a little less confrontational about certain aspects I noticed that we have caught like some flack, not you know massive amounts of flack, but we we get a few comments here and there, which you get used to as a Christian metal band. That you've got the typical guy who says like, "Hey, this music would be great if you stopped with all the Jesus stuff." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you kind of just have to look at it and say like, 
hey, you know what, man? Like, that's cool. And uh, you're like totally 100% welcome to, you know, keep listening to us and, you know, keep accidentally listening to that Jesus stuff all the time. Uh, but it, we're not going to to make a, a point of chasing that guy down and, you know, trying to get his opinion to change. But we're not going to stop putting that out there from our perspective either, just because I, I think it's healthy to have that little bit of a dialogue because there doesn't seem to be anything too absurd going on, you know, between anybody on, you know, these sort of things. The internet can get a little out of control sometimes. But as long as we get out there, we make music that we love to make and we represent ourselves as people and as representatives of Christ, you know, we represent him well. I think that's that's all the impact we can ask for. And what's the next step for Flesh Killer? Have you got plans to tour this album? Uh, you know, we, we've been playing a couple cards pretty close to the chest. I, as of right now, um, we've got one in Oslo, Norway, the, the sort of perennial Christian metal fest in Oslo called Nordic Fest. Uh, we'll be playing there, I believe that's October 27th, and then there are a handful of festivals we're playing right after. The names escape me. But we're playing in Amsterdam the weekend after and in Stuttgart, Germany the, the day after that. So we've got a little bit of a, a uh, spurt of touring on the back end there. But we do have plans, um, probably more so for next year, next spring, next summer, to kind of make a push and get a few weeks of touring in there to, to get out there and make sure we see some faces after we get this album released. Tell me it's North America. That's, you know... <laughs> As of right now, all of our plans are in Europe. That's the goal, is uh, next spring to have something lined up where we can come stateside and get a little bit of North American FaceTime with everybody here. Because that's, that's always the question we've been getting asked the most, because we have you know lined up quite a lot in Europe. But it, the part of it's just logistical. It's way easier to fly me over to Europe than it is to fly three guys over here <laughs> so from a just a logistics standpoint it just takes longer to kind of get that stuff under wraps whereas i hadn't heard or you know really done anything with the band before february of this year and so everything that's happened so far has unfolded really quickly for the sort of things that we've already got lined up and you know if the doors keep opening up we'll keep walking right through them hopefully that'll be happening Elijah, thanks so much for coming for a talk with The Antidote. I really appreciate this. Hey, uh, thank you. Anytime. It's always a pleasure.